last week we talked about some things and just did a lot of reflecting. And I'm not looking at as far as things, although I'll interject some of the things that we'll be doing in 2015. Um, and we talked about some things already with regard to Max and, and myself, and, and we'll look at some other things as well. But if you're like many other individuals, in other words, you're the norm, what you, what you did when you reflected upon last year, or this year, if you will, is to see that there, there have been times of success and times of, of joy and times of service for our Lord that we've been very blessed and encouraged. But while there are wonderful opportunities and, and blessings that have taken place congregationally and even individually, individually, we've all gone through difficult times. Every, every family. To a lesser or greater degree, you've had moments of discontent, moments of anxiety, frustration, letdown, anger, and everything else. And as you look forward to this following year, it would be easy when, when you look at these kinds of things that take place to say, how can we do what we continue to do? I mean, I just feel this weight as if there was some kind of a pressure either you put on yourself, someone puts on you because of expectations or even unrealistic expectations. It feels like the law. And I believe that's what the law, uh -huh, while it points to Christ and, and while it... it lets us know of our transgressions and how sinful or exceedingly sinful sin is, there is a weight with regard to the law that's like, how can I keep doing these things? How can I keep up? You know, how can I live up to everyone else's expectations? And because of that, you can get discouraged going into a new year. Even with all the clean slate and a brand new start, and that's what I love about New Year. It's like crossing a threshold where you said, okay, we start all over again. And I don't know, I'm just, quick, uh, unscientific survey, but how many of you actually do resolutions? I, I really want to know. Ra raise your hand so I can see. I used to do them. I stopped doing them because I failed so often it was discouraging. So I stopped doing my resolutions. <laughs> but some of you are still doing it. <laughs> That's great. And so this is probably... Not just me thinking this way, that you can have this way, like, well, here we go again. I'm going to have this. And by the way, I messed up on our bulletin, first bulletin and already um, doing that. The, the uh, bulletin on the last page, I'm wanting us to do a congregational type reading where every, every day, starting today, we read so many chapters. On, on your back, it says January 4th through the 10th. It's supposed to have been from today through the 3rd. So excuse me, and I'll, I'll correct it for next week. But if we can read together, it would help us hopefully make it through the year together, especially during some of the tougher passages where you might want to fall asleep on and what have you. Again, it's all because of us encouraging each other that we can get through these things. But see, that's the thing. We get weighed down and we get discouraged even before anything starts. That's where some people are. And it's because of maybe this, this year that we look like, well, what do I have really to look forward to the following year? I mean, if you've lost a loved one and it's brought you into a depression, 2015 may not seem like a very good year to enter into. You lost your job and you're unemployed. What do I have to look forward to? There's a lot of things that enter into the minds of man that causes us to have these kinds of questions or thoughts. And I'm hoping, though, that when we see what is available to us, that we won't have this kind of a weighed down perspective, but on the contrary, 
to be renewed. Even though the circumstances are different for the Apostle Paul when writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4 that was just read for us, it's still the same thing. Every day, this outward man of ours is decaying. Every single day. And we see the results of the flesh. And we see it in our own lives where we see death. And we see the destruction of sin. But the inward man, the one who belongs to the Lord, this inward man is being renewed every single day. And what that should do for us is to bring us this great rejoicing. And that's what I'm hoping for, brethren, that when we look at what God has given to us and for us, and the promises is made, that when we look at this year, it's like having these shackles, this weight that has been taken off, and we start again, all fresh. And this is not just for this year, it's every day this way. I mean, think about it. You go to bed at night, and you look back on the day, and there may have been moments that you've not had your proudest time. You know, you may be ashamed for maybe the thought or the word or the behavior of that day. But you start a new day. And with that new day, you have hope. And this hope is only because of what has been given to us and what has been given for us. And so I'm, I'm prayerful that when we look at these next three slides, and you'll find this a uh, decently short lesson, but very impactful, I hope, for your daily walk, that you'll notice that with this mindset comes this renewed spirit that says, you know, here's who I am. This is what God has done for me. And I want you to start off with Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to use Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, very differently than what the Apostle Paul used. I want you to see the point of, of what he is saying and how it applies to this renewed walk that we have in our Lord. So in Romans chapter 6, remember the Apostle is reminding brethren who would consider it like, you know, if I just go out and sin more, I can get more of God's grace. If, if I understand you correctly, Paul, in a sarcastic tone, we can just go out and sin and sin and sin, and guess what? We'll get more and more of God's grace. And his, his point is just the opposite. What he wants them to understand is because of what God has done for you, through his grace, you should walk in him and give your life to him, and you become his servant, if you will. And you do it as a result of what has been provided and what has been promised. So in verses 3 and 4, this reminder is going to be used a little differently than what he had used it for. He says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus was baptized or were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He's talking to Christians who have already put on Christ, who have already been clothed in this robe of white, and he's mentioning to them, you've been renewed. You're a new creation in Jesus. And it should cause this renewing to affect your mind. And that mind should have caused to affect your speech and your behavior and your daily walk. That's what he is saying um, to those in reminding them of why they've been putting on Christ. You were buried with him. Imagine being buried with the one who was on the cross. That when you're going down into that water, that man of sin is being put to death. And all that old is washed away. All that's left is the new. I can tell you right now, I am so, I'm probably 
almost as glad, if not as glad, as the day I gave my life to the Lord. And the reason why I say almost or as, because I don't know if I could have been any happier that day. Again, I remember it so clearly. I was uh, not walking. I was skipping on the sidewalk. Now, imagine a 20-year-old skipping on the A guy, not a girl, a guy skipping on the I was so happy. Cloud nine. Even when I got arrested that week, I was still smiling. <laughs> I know. Now, I'm not, you guys want to know the story. Now, I'm not going to tell you now. I'm just going to let you think about that. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's just it's such a joyful thing. It really is. That you have all this weight of sin that, that you recognize spitting in the face of God, whether ignorantly or purposely, and then it's all washed away. It felt so good. But you know, you can be so grateful to God or you can simply get wet. When you're so grateful to God, it changes everything about the way you live now. It really does. And that's why it goes on in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, you know, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have put on Christ. You're raised to walk in newness of life. Have a new mind that's transformed by the renewing of that mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's what he's saying. And so, as we begin this new year, realize if you have been buried with Christ, every day is a new day. You have the opportunity to have your mind continually refreshed, renewed, plugged in for the life that God has desired for you. And that is to bring Him glory. To bring Him happiness as He has brought you that joy. That's what we should be. That's how we should be living. I mean... That guy's happy coming out of the water. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's what it should be for us as we rejoice with those who come out of that watery grave into newness of life. And the second thing is that with that then comes this growth. And, you know, we can read of passages and, and look at it from a standpoint, you better grow or else. Or you can look at it from a standpoint of what it's like when you are in the Lord and you have this growth. One of the sweetest words given to me took place about, oh, I don't know, three, four, five, six months ago. It was after one of the sermons, and I don't remember what sermon it was, but I had a dear sister in Christ come up to me. She said, Mitch, I've seen you grow. And I can tell it in your sermons. And I think of Miss Carol Ann so often as a result of those words. It was very encouraging. You know, when you grow in the Lord, it's supposed to be evident. And I pray that four and a half years from now, Miss Carol Ann, after her last chemo treatment, her last treatment on Christmas Day, was it? Christmas Eve? How awesome. Praise God for that. That last treatment, that maybe four and a half years from now, she can say, Guess what? I still see you growing. It would be so encouraging. We are told in 1 Peter chapter 2 to desire God's word as a newborn babe desires milk. 
Can you imagine that? He's not calling Christians babes. He says, as babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what it should be like when you have a person that's new in the Lord. And I'm not just talking about, okay, you know, we got Bible reading and we got a thing in a bulletin that says, okay, read Genesis 1 through 3 today. By the way, please read Genesis 1 through 3 today. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be how does this word that God has given to me graciously impact my life? How, does, how, does the, the, oh, how do the words in this text that may be for this people during this time affect me today. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, isn't it? For reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction. Well, if it is, then how am I being instructed? How am I growing and learning and being disciplined through the teaching of God's word? And so, I'm hopeful then that, that if you have a genuine conversion to the Lord, that this growth takes place every single day. And as a result, we can add to our faith these various virtues. I want you to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 following. I love this text. In one of these days, I'll, I'll give a sermon on it if I have not already done it while I've been here. But uh, look at this text. Just love this passage. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, he says... And back up, I'll back up to verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Wow. That through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, before we actually look at verse 5 following, do you see what God has given? That is why you can have individuals, whether you were raised up in a family with parents as, as Christians or not, when you go through an, a true conversion, people are going to see the change. They'll notice it. And as you continue to grow, they'll continue to see changes in you that maybe was absent in years gone by. And it is for that reason, he says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, all the ability you have, like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you abound in adding to your faith these virtuous qualities, no longer are you going to be barren. God promised these things to you. He's bestowed his gifts upon you already. Now grow in them. You see, sometimes you might have Christians like, well, you know, I've been reading God's word and I have a hard time understanding and I, I, don't, I just don't see anything going on in my life. And it's easy for me outward judging you, not knowing your, your situation to just 
give you the answer. And I don't know what the answer would be for you unless I walk in your shoes. But I guarantee you this. When you add to your faith, the Lord gives you much more than what you have done diligently. That's why he's the God of grace. He gives us gifts. And he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises so that we can be successful. I mean, he can take some guy that doesn't know anything about him and within one day after coming up out of the watery grave, I'm on that very sidewalk talking to complete strangers about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hear years later, brethren who have been in the Lord for decades not talking to our Lord or talking about our Lord. What's the picture? Someone who only one day ago could not even tell you who Jesus was and a day later is talking to people about the Lord? It's not because I'm super smart. I'm not. Far from it, actually. But God gave me a simple message. Jesus died for our sins. And he wants you to come into his kingdom. And he wants you to belong to him. He wants you to give up your life. Throw it away. And give him glory in the way you live. And brethren, that's part of that growth for every one of us. And if you have not been doing this kind of growing, start today. Because God desires for you to grow in him. And he provides for you the milk of his word. And he gives you the opportunities to converse with him. And he gives you the opportunities, a great number of opportunities with open doors to go and do what we're talking about next. And that is to share the things that you have learned. And it's not that difficult. It really isn't. When I hear, well, I don't know what to say. And I don't know if I, if I say it, I might just say it wrong. We always say things. I do it every day. Ask my children. I get my words mixed up. In fact, a lot of the sermons, when I first began preaching, I still was learning, still, I'm still trying to learn proper English, but I was trying to learn proper English words and, and all the idiomatic expressions, which I mess up even 20-whatever years later in the Lord. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean. And the message is not so difficult with God for you to have every nuance correct to share the simple gospel message. I mean, how hard is it to tell someone Jesus died and rose again on the third day for you? Amen. Not difficult. We try to turn it into discipleship 101, evangelism 101. We try to turn it into a college course, and pretty soon it's a PhD that you need. It's not. And furthermore, it's not just sharing the message of good news. Well, look at what he's done. You're lost in sin. You're going to be forever separated from God, and it is likened unto a fiery hell. Now, can you imagine that? That's what drove me to the Lord initially. But as I got to learn about every blessing that is found in Jesus Christ, like Ephesians 1.3 says, then I got to really appreciate salvation and when that happened i understood the gospel in a way that was like again brand new it's like a renewing of the mind and it's so much easier to share what god has done for me it should be the same for you god gave you life in jesus christ 
And here's the way you can behave toward people in this world. There's a lot of people in this world that, that they don't have any hope. And all they have is this physical world that they live in. Nothing, nothing spiritual. And so you come along and you have something different about you that attracts them. And by the way, you should have something very attractive about you. He's called Jesus. And you've put him on if you've been converted to him. And when you put him on, there's a big change about your life. And that's where you open your mouth to share with other people what God has done. I remember not even a year in the Lord working at Mid-Nebraska Mental Retardation Services. And my manager calls me into the office saying, I got to sit you down and talk to you because there's something about you that is so different than all of my other employees. You come in here, you're always happy. What's going on with your life? <laughs> she just kind of had the hand thing. And I looked at her, I said... I'm a Christian. That's all I said. That opened the door to teaching her about Jesus Christ. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you always smile 24-7. You go through the deep valleys that David was talking about. And we all have them. We all have moments of failures. But what makes me so happy for these last 25 years in Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. And what makes me so happy to go through the trials is to see how God is continually refining and shaping and molding my life. As he does for every one of you here. And you should be grateful for those experiences. Even your failures, even the things that you've done that are embarrassing because of your sins can be used Hopefully, in hindsight, for the glory of God. Don't use it as a means to go and sin some more, but to take those sins and those weakness uh, moments and use it to, to relate to people in this world that don't have hope. And it's an amazing thing that when you make that connection, they're like, so I can have this hope too. You talk to people that don't have hope, they want it. They want it so much. When Max goes to Ecuador and as he's continued to learn his Spanish, that's one thing he'll have, a great opportunity for people that, that live in situations. We talk about our problems. I remember Dan making a post on Facebook saying, first world problems. And that's really what we have in this country. Right here in, in uh, Middle Tennessee, for most of us, first world problems. But you go to where there's second, third world problems, and pretty soon you see people that are striving after whatever they can cling to for hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so we can share him. And of course in John chapter 13. Remember after Jesus had, had girded himself and washed his disciples' feet. He said that a student is not greater than his teacher. The things that I've done for you, you go and you do for others as well. And that is to serve. Brethren, it is not enough for us to sit in these pews in 2015. Not enough. We have a great start in 2014. I think a, my most encouraging year in the Lord, hands down. As a congregation, being with a congregation, hands down the best and most encouraging for me. I'm greedy. Really greedy. 
I want us to be so on fire for this Lord. It looks like Acts chapter 2 all over again. That's how greedy I am. I want us as believers to be so fired up for what God has done that you get to read Acts chapter 2 in the 21st century. And it can happen. It's happening in various places around the world. I don't want us to be status quo content with 2014. But that takes us sharing God's word. It takes us sharing the love of God. It takes us serving our neighbors. And that is what he was saying. And that's why you go on 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to finish with this text here because this text is us. We've got a lot of white collar and blue collar. Hopefully no no collars in this room here. But I want us to understand we are so blessed. I mean, contribution $6,302 for this small size congregation. It's a lot of money that can be used for the glory of God. Think about what can be done as we have brethren in need. By the way, we have brethren in need. A lot of brethren. And while it meant... Julie and I get to cry after we leave you all over the generosity that you share with us because I know how much you love us and I am so grateful to God. Um, The gifts that you gave to us last week. But there's a lot more people in need than us. And I know you're doing it out of your love for us, but boy. Tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. Next year, this time next year, we'll give it to everyone else (laughs) that is in much greater need than the Davis family. But you share with what you have. 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us this. You're probably already there. You've probably already read the text. But I want to read it again then if if you've already read it. He says in the text here, beginning in verse 17. Make sure I get it at the right place. Paul says to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, the one that we talked about in our Bible study in Exodus this morning, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. You're not going to take that 401k with you, even if the stock market hits 18,000. And I guess it has. You're not going to take your home. You're not going to take your cars. You're not going to take all the good stuff that you have. But what you can do is share it with those that don't have. Here's the thing about that. And I'm not talking the quote-unquote social gospel that you hear in the pulpit from time to time. I'm talking about a really sociable gospel. Not the social gospel. Where you so love the Lord your God that you love your neighbor as you do yourself. And brethren, we take care of ourselves pretty well. We do. We have the opportunity to reach out to those in our community that do not have. That gives them a glimmer of hope so that when the true riches of God's word can be shared with them. They know that it's not just words coming from you, but a genuine love. 
the kind of love that God has already bestowed upon you, the kind of love that causes you to grow, and the kind of love that so exudes from you, you cannot help but share the very love God has given to you to others. That's what I'm hoping for for this coming year. Now, you can teach. That doesn't mean that the person who's on the receiving end learns. <laughs> but I know that over time, we continue to influence each other, and I hope we continue to influence each other for good, for the cause of Christ. And as a result, if you're doing that, we're going to see the Lord give the increase. And I'm not talking necessarily numbers, although he will add to those in his kingdom as he's done in 2014. He'll do it all over the world as he does here. But if we give ourselves to the Lord the way that we did this past year, even more so, not just uh, a good number of us, but all of us, you'd be surprised how much more joy you're going to have in 2015. I'm not asking you to do this so that you get the joy. You will just have it. That's a, it's a byproduct of giving your life to the Lord. Now, if you do not belong to Jesus Christ, here's an opportunity for you right now. If this is something that you desire, and this something is greater than any gift, no matter how great your Christmas may have been this year, it is a zillion times better. There is no comparison. You have the gift of everlasting life. And I'm not talking about it from a worldly standpoint, like you have the Budweiser commercial where everyone's drinking beers in heaven. That's the farthest thing from heaven that you can have. I'm talking about the kind of life that if you can take all the joy that you've ever had on one given moment and multiply it by infinity, that's being in the presence of God. I don't know how else to explain that. It is better than anything I've ever experienced in this life. The taste of joy that I have walking with the Lord, I want you to have. And I want you to have it abundantly in Jesus Christ. That doesn't make your life easier. In fact, in some cases, it's going to make it a lot harder, a lot more difficult, but a lot more joyful in the Lord because you have him. And if you have him, you have everything. So if you want to come to this kingdom, the water is filled up. You can be buried in, in with Jesus Christ into his death. And when you come up out of that watery grave, you come up a new person. You look the same. But you're completely different. God is in you now. That's your gift. Is that what you want? Is that what you need in returning to the Lord? Well, then this invitation is for you. It's together we stand and sing.